Welcome to the Pastor's Call podcast. I'm your host, Joel Webb. Before I introduce today's guests and we begin our interview, I just want to thank the sponsor for the show. It is Blue Water Free Methodist Church, where I have the honor of serving. We are an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. Well, today I'm so excited to have with me as my guest. He is the new youth pastor at Hillside Wesleyan Church, uh, fresh out of Asbury Seminary and to us via Brazil. I just want to thank and welcome Hudson Ends to the show. It is so good to be on this podcast. I've never been on podcast before, so this will be a learning experience and uh, an exciting one at that. So thanks so much for having me, Joel. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining Hudson. Well, as we always do, let's just jump right into it. I'd love to hear your background. Um, you know, I know a little bit about that, but go into a little more detail about your your background growing up and then when you felt your felt your call to pastoral ministry was. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Manaus, Brazil, which uh, is on the kind of the Amazon River where it meets the Rio Negro. And so that was always a super cool uh, place to grow up. And, uh, and I just grew up doing things that Brazilians do, like soccer and, uh, and going to church. Um, I grew up in the Wesleyan denomination. My parents were, uh, were, were missionaries down there. And so I had a great, great upbringing. Um, but I, I loved nature, so I was always looking for fish and for spiders and for, for, for snakes, and so that was kind of my thing. I would try to take as many trips as I could in the jungle uh, to find these things that I loved. And then, uh, so I eventually had to grow up, though, um, and I went to, as I, I came back at the age of 17 to the U.S., went to Asbury University for four years. And uh, that's where I met my wonderful wife, uh, and we got married, I think, the second year of seminary. And so we've been married about three years now, and then I went to Asbury Theological Seminary, uh, also in Kentucky, where it's a little warmer than Michigan, and then uh, and then I'm here. So there's a lot more details to be fleshed out, but I was saved at an early, at an early age, uh, saved and baptized, and uh, I never really strayed or had a period of rebellion, but the Lord's been working in my life and continually uh, drawing me closer and closer uh, through the process of sanctification, and I'm so grateful for the people around me. So grateful for the church that has me here in um, <clears throat> this wonderful state of Michigan, uh, and so and that would be uh, Hillside Wesleyan Church. So, so even as cold cold as it gets, you're happy to happy to be here. <laughs> the uh, the summer months were were rough because they're really cold. Uh, we'll see how the uh, winter months uh, treat me, yeah. but uh, so far uh, we'll 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 just see to be determined. Yeah. So you talked about growing up on the mission field. I spent some time on the mm-hmm. mission field, so I know there's. Uh, it can be differences coming back or coming to a place that you're not even familiar with. But when did you start feeling that drawing or that calling towards pastoral ministry or just ministry in general? Yeah. So the issue of of calling, I think I think that's a difficult uh, one for me because uh, there was never a sense. Um, so you know, if you get a phone call, it's like, well, this is so such and such a person, God is calling me to to such and such a place. Um, and I never had a a phone call moment, um, but I did. I did have a series of I feel like giftings that I had, and I had, and and God allowed me to 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 make sense of those mm-hmm. and go in the direction that He wanted. So so I looked at, at what I had, what I'd been given, um, with my my heritage, um, you know, my education, and and what my heart was um, was was turned towards, and and so really, um, pastoral ministry became an outgrowth of that. We all have a call. Everyone has a call. Um, um, and so mine 
ended up where I am now, but ultimately I feel called to the mission field. I feel called mm-hmm. to to international missions and and probably as a teacher. So that's kind of my end goal. Um, but if I don't get there, that's totally fine because I know that God has me right where mm-hmm. he wants me right now. And I'm totally content yeah. to wait in that, that time. Yeah. So a time of preparation and finding and seeking, and we can go through those different times where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're just seeing what, what God's leading him, but we know he's still doing a work. Yes, he absolutely is. And, um, and I think you, you've had other people on that have been very, um, uh, very clear and, uh, about this and the different elements of a call. And so one of them is, is not just, uh, my own kind of, uh, desires and wants, but mm-hmm. also what's being affirmed through the church, being mm-hmm. affirmed through, through my mentors, through my teachers. Uh, calling is not something that happens, um, very individualistically, but it, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, if the church is being the church, then it'll happen through that, through the church. Yeah. So you've had a, had an opportunity. Um, obviously, you've grown up in a ministry context, so you already have some understanding of the realities of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're a little more aware of kind of what goes on behind the scenes. So I'd like to kind of tap in and talk about some of the, the cultural things that a lot of people don't think about. Uh, you know, growing up in a different country, it's not all just about the language and the food and the clothing. It's about the things people know without having to say them. Mm-hmm. And so what has that transition and adjustment been like for you? Uh, I'm sure a lot of it was starting right out when you came back and started school. Uh, so so what was some of that kind of cultural adjustment, you know, moving into a North American context? Yeah, so a lot of those are, are somewhat intangible, and they're there. The, a lot of the cultural differences are there, uh, but they they happen almost subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of the, my growing and learning, I've had to unlearn and I have to learn some things about American culture to kind of be more uh, – to kind of mm-hmm. not fit in, but be, be more effective, uh, be more relational. Um, Brazilians are highly relational. They're very open to people, um, and, and, and that's just there's a there's a beauty there, and it's just different um, from from um, I think how other cultures interact. Um, but I, I do want to be careful because I, I don't feel like I can really put into words the difference. Mm-hmm. It's just there. Uh, yeah. The difference is there. The way that people kind of uh, kind of just react and, and think mm-hmm. to things, and and so that kind of s- makes me a little weird sometimes, a little strange in some American contexts. And uh, and I just you know that's it's kind of a Brazilian thing. You know, just have to trust me with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I think that part of that though is is um, I've just been very open to 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 learning about other. Mm-hmm. Cultures and about other people and just the way that they think, the way that they're mm-hmm. wired, and I think that that is in a sense has helped me even as I moved from from uh, Kentucky uh, to Michigan. Like I I really want to know what drives people, what mm-hmm. motivates them, and what they're thinking and why they're thinking that. Mm-hmm. And so that's just like there's there's all there's always a journey. We're trying to we're trying to learn more about mm-hmm. each other. I'm trying to learn more about the ministry setting that I'm in because because Michigan is very different than Kentucky. Uh, and, and in some ways that were even, you know, unusual to me. So for example, uh, Michigan is not in the Bible Belt. And, uh, and so while, while the comparison may be somewhat, you know, unusual, uh, Brazil is a, is a highly religious culture. They are mm-hmm. very, um, uh, very, very Catholic. You know, I grew up, uh, I would go to the houses around me and there would be, you know, I remember seeing statues of Mary and, and little waterfalls and little, you know, even offerings to Mary that I thought were so strange. But everyone has a, as, as a religious background in Brazil and in Kentucky. Here, not, not so much. I'm seeing some differences there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so how do you, I guess, how do you reconcile those 
I guess because you have to take a different philosophy of ministry almost looking at that and um, especially someone that's new actually participating in ministry even though you had a background context. So um, we'd just love to hear kind of some of your thoughts on kind of overcoming those obstacles or hurdles as you've been as you've been navigating them yeah yeah i mean you got to start with people and uh that that's that's what the ministry's to and uh, as a pastor i have a specific way uh, a way that i am called uh to to to, to interact with people in a, in a certain position but we all have to st- to start with people and show them Christ through through mm. through our life, uh, through our words, through our actions, and through our ministry. And so, so part of that, um, you know, Jesus left left his uh, place on high and became a man. He became um, just just like us in in in, in that sense. Mm. And so we, you know, we have to be incar- incarnate in that culture. And so when we come to a culture, we're not trying to keep. Um, all of the kind of cultural um, baggage that that might that might hinder us, but rather we're trying to become um, really connect with the people around us. And so, so there's been some some maybe some difficulties in that. You know, me uh, coming from my cult, my my different context, but really, I just feel like people are are hungry for truth. And they're hungry for relationships because statistics show, man, in this cult, in this culture, there are so many people that feel lonely and they feel unloved, and uh, and that's kind of where the church, I feel, I really feel like needs to be and present and say, no, you have value, you have worth, and we're going to we're going to show you that, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna treat you as um, as people that are made in the image of God, and so that is wherever you are. But I don't feel like it really answered your question that well. I'm sorry about that. No, but, no, it's yeah. good. No, no, great answer. There's really no wrong answers. <laughs> That's the advantage of just having a conversation mm-hmm. and talking to someone. So I'd love to, you know, hit on hit on something because a lot of the people that I've talked to on past episodes are considerably older than us because mm-hmm. um, we're both in our 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm newly married. You have been married for a couple of years and have a young, beautiful family adorable kids and so we're in a different stage of experience um and just age in general and culture and so i'd love for you to kind of just touch on what as you're kind of going through those transitions and figuring stuff out like out of seminary um i think you were at a pastorate for a small while before moving up here uh, to be at hillside so i'd love for you to kind of touch on since they're going to be hopefully fresh in your memory what have been kind of some of those big hits of a reality of just trying to reconcile what you've learned and now what's actually happening in the field and maybe a little bit with that kind of new family context. Yeah. So I, I've been in, in uh, vocational ministry now for about four and a half years, uh, four and a half to five years. Um, but I'll, honestly, a lot of the big hits uh, may still come and I'm always um, waiting and always ready for those. And only, you can only be so ready. Uh, but I, I just, I, I actually technically have not uh, completed my seminary degree. I have one more, one quarter course credit that's keeping me from it. Um, <laughs> ironically, I have to go overseas uh, for for a, for a missions experience, uh, which is which is kind of funny. Um, but anyway, so I'm fresh out of seminary, uh, and so I'm still trying to figure out what of my seminary education 
um, is important for me to know and what if that is important for the people that I'm pastoring mm. to know and that is a that is a big question because I right now um, and and it would be interesting now that this is recorded and and I can come back you know in a year from now or two years from now and I might have a completely different outlook but right now I feel like what I learned is important for everyone mm. and I want to co- to communicate that in a way that is that is clear that is not complex that is not um, mm. at, at, a, at such a high level people uh you know can't translate it into everyday life but my uh my my perspective in ministry is that people are needing to to grow and to study and if you love god you should try to learn about Mm -hmm. him and there are some things that are just so important for us to learn uh but one of those um you know it's just um you know you my first semester at, at asbury theological seminary i remember being in my dorm room and i was kind of like lonely i felt like i was studying but Education is almost inherently selfish if it's not ordered towards other people. Mm. Um, and so I just felt like, you know, I just went through a, a, you know, four years of college and it's all about me. It's all tailored to the students. And then I'm going to go through another four years uh, at a seminary and it's all about all about us, all about the students, which there's value in that. But I, I felt like deep in my soul, if I wasn't going to be giving already, mm-hmm. uh, then I was going to be I was just going to you know turn into uh, a boring academic or something like that. And so I, I pursued uh, ministry. I had an interview um, at Lafayette Church of Nazarene and uh, and the pastor saw something. Uh, and he hired me on, and that's been a huge step for me because I was able to to live with people and to mm-hmm. deal with problems. You know, you can learn about uh, suicide and, and depression, and you can learn about um, how to handle all of these different scenarios. Uh, and then when it actually happens, though, you've got to really work mm-hmm. through it in a different way. Yeah. And so I was able to already apply what I was learning mm-hmm. as I was learning, and that was mm-hmm. a huge blessing for me. Awesome. Well, I kind of want to take a little bit of a different bent off kind of the normal things we talk about, just uh, both of us being in the Wesleyan holiness movement, Mm -hmm. both of us being younger. I'm newer to the movement as a whole, but um, moving forward and seeing and talking about, obviously, you have a wealth of theological training information. And one of the key tenets or points in in our uh, family of theology and denominations is this thought of entire sanctification. Every other denomination and group has a different word for it um, in some way, shape, or form, but it's very specific in our context. So I just like to see, especially as this is a question moving through the 21st century, the Free Methodist Church is asking, you know, who are we in this current cultural context? In your, because you're a youth pastor, so you're dealing with the youths, as a friend of mine says, Mm -hmm. you're dealing with the young ones, Mm -hmm. the ones who now look at us and we're not cool. But Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd love to hear your thought. I just read a book called Perfect Love dealing with this thought of entire sanctification, and it really kind of set me on fire um, for pursuing mm-hmm. it and understanding it more. But how would you take a concept like that um, into a 21st century context for a young person? Um, maybe you don't have it figured out, but I'm sure you've probably dabbled in your mind about how how do I go about teaching this thought of entire sanctification, being made perfect in love but not performance. Um, would just love to get your thoughts thoughts on that. Yeah, so and the doctrine of entire sanctification is is quite complex, and I have always been careful about making it so simple um, that it be, it loses the the power and ultimately the mm-hmm. the truth that's behind it. Um, 
so I this was a doctrine that I had to really wrestle with, and I'm going to give my answer. I'm going to talk about entire sanctification um, as as a Wesleyan, but I will say I'm still trying to work out um, in my own journey exactly where I feel like is is the the most appropriate uh, scriptural answer to this. Mm. Um, and I believe that that Wesley got it right. I believe um, so. I think that I, I kind of view um, different denominations as all believing uh, that we're going to be perfected in in, mm. in love, um, but the the question is, is when does that happen? So does that happen after we're dead or does that happen before? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's there's a, a, a woman named Phoebe Palmer who is really, uh, really big in the kind of the holiest movement. And she was extremely uh, famous. I think it was in the, the early to mid uh, 1900s, but it could have been earlier than that. Um, anyways, uh, so she had, uh, it was earlier than that. Uh, she had this this huge ministry uh, and all these people, um, you know, tuning in, reading her, her works. And so she made it into a very simple kind of formulaic process. And so you've got to you've got to claim it. And you've got to, once you've claimed it, you've got to testify to it. And so it's it's something that if you entirely consecrate yourself, then then of course God wants to wants to entirely sanctify you, and that'll happen right now. I don't think that that matches up with with scripture or that ha- that matches up with with the experience of the church. Um, and so so there are different churches, some that are that are more optimistic and more pessimistic. The Wesleyan Church finds itself in the and and the the Free Methodist Church find itself on the optimistic end of that scale. We believe that God wants wants us to have a, a heart that has been perfected by love, and we believe that he has the means to do it in this life. Mm-hmm. And so it's not all about what you do. So so I think that's a kind of the trapping that people have. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you can just do it, um, or you can just kind of claim it, or you can just be, you know, consecrate yourself. We don't have the ability to just mm-hmm. consecrate ourselves. That's not something mm-hmm. that we inherently have. Now, by the grace of God, um, at his timing, he can work those things out mm-hmm. as, we, as we continue on towards holiness, towards the journey of holiness, and eventually um, there will be a, a time, a death. So just as people begin to die and, and get closer to death, that is kind of what is happening, but there is a death of the being of sin in our life, hmm. where we are made blameless, we are made holy. And so what that means is not that we can never sin again, but that uh, the, the intents and desires um, of our hearts are, 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 are perfectly, as perfect as, as can be, uh, with our lack of knowledge uh, aligned with, with God's. And so when God says something, we're ready, because uh, we, we, we're just open to his, to his leading. Mm-hmm. And so, so kind of similar to, 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 to marriage, um, um, when my heart is aligned with my wife, I, I can begin to, to, to do the things for her, not mm-hmm. out of selfish motivation, but because I love her. Mm-hmm. And so as we begin to truly love God, it, he transforms our desires. Mm-hmm. He transforms the ways that we think. And so um, perfection is difficult because we think, oh, well, then, you know, you have to be exactly like like Christ. No, perfection is a relative, is, a, is somewhat relative, mm-hmm. um, but it ultimately means that 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 the the goal of our heart is to is to pursue Christ with all all of, all of our hearts. I think that should be the goal of any Christian. Uh, we just believe <laughs> that the that the Spirit can 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 make that happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So how like I don't know if you've already had experience doing this or you're figuring out like so what's the best way that you're discipling or mentoring young people in in this idea of entire sanctification for their life even at a young age to be seeking God for it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you you know, the word is discipleship. Um and and, and so John Wesley set up these bands all over all over the mm-hmm. uh, the country and all over uh, wherever he went, he would set up the these bands. And then and, and there were groups of people that would meet consistently uh, and with great dedication and they would lay their their hearts bare before one another. So there was this element of accountability and there was discipleship going on. He saw that where, when people did this, when people um met together consistently and, and sacrificed their time in this way, that's where he saw the breakthroughs uh, uh, that, we're, that we're seeing. And so as a youth pastor, I want to give them the tools that they need um, to, to, to get closer to God in that way and to grow in their faith. Mm. And so I'm, I'm, I, I'm new here, so I haven't been able to do this well yet, but I, I, I've been talking about my vision for, for, for youth ministry. And my vision is high commitment. Um, a youth, there's a lot of things that we can say about youth, but one thing is they don't have a lot of high commitment. Uh, they don't have a lot of discipline. And so mm-hmm. I want to offer them uh, in, in, in a way that they can see this is going to transform your life. What we need from you is buy-in because this is the most important thing about you. You know, your job, your career, that's all important. Who you marry is important, but your faith is going to be the the, the thing that's going to, mm-hmm. you know, make or break your life. And yeah. so if it is that important, then you, we should see discipline from you. Mm-hmm. And so and so I'm going to I'm I want people everyone to have mentors in youth ministry because I think it's so important that there's some cross-generational um uh you know uh, ministering and discipling going on and mm-hmm. I want them to form groups. I want them to get together um every week, every two weeks and and go through the questions. You know, have I one of the questions it's so interesting and and there's you can find these questions online, but I just think they're so revealing. Uh one of them is this week did I try to make myself look better than I really am. And, and and if you think about it, a lot of people, that's that's kind of their whole lives, is trying to put on the appearance of righteousness mm-hmm. when there is actually no righteousness to, yeah. you know, to, to be. Well, so it's Instagram so, and TikTok. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so I just, I, and I, I know I'm taking a roundabout way to answer your questions, but no, in yeah, youth ministry, I want them to see that there is more. Uh, mm. There is more than church. There is a life that is dedicated to mm. not just to ourselves and our inward growth, but also to each other. Um, there's a, 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 a quote that's often uh, mis- misappropriated. It says, there's no holiness except social holiness. And so people have taken that to mean you know social action. But, but what he actually meant was accountability, mm. uh, being in a community. And we need community now because kids don't have community, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's just interesting seeing the the separation and disconnect. The upcoming generations want deep authenticity, but culture and society is training them just to be fake. Um, yeah. And I think there's an authenticity that the gospel offers. Um, you know, when we recognize who we are and what God has done for us. Yeah. And I think I think there has been in the church there has been a lack of authenticity, mm-hmm. um, and so um, you are absolutely correct that the doc the, the the gospel calls us towards authenticity. But what happens is is that when we separate um, the 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 appearance of the gospel from the truth of the gospel, um, it breeds a a double double mindedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was <laughs> sorry. Um, this just comes to mind a a, a joke. Uh, someone asked the other person, you know. What my favorite two things about you, or what my least favorite two things about you are, and uh, Joel's freaking out because he's like, "Why is he telling a joke on the podcast?" No, but you're good, you're but good. then the the answer is no, I have no idea. And she says, "The two my two least favorite things about you are your face, uh, and the idea that there are there are different faces that people mm. put on." And in my ministry, I wanna I wanna kind of um, uh, make us people that are simple 
mm-hmm. that are single-minded, not double-minded. Because yeah. I think that double-mindedness ultimately has led to a lot of the issues in yeah. society. And we should be singly-minded folk, single-mindedly focused on, mm-hmm. on Christ mm-hmm. with all that we are. Well, and I'd like to just touch on that a little bit more. Um, in a previous context, church context, there was a such an emphasis on focus on that. Uh, how something looks is often more important than how something is. Hmm. And I think that has to deal with that double-mindedness. And and one of the questions I often ask as we're talking is, you know, what do you see as uh, primary hurdles or th- difficulties for pastors in the coming years? Well, the reality is those difficulties and hurdles are going to be the ones that we're going to have to really struggle and, and face with. And I think maybe this idea, this concept of authenticity in the church is one of them. So I'd like to get some of your thoughts on that as as seeing it maybe over the horizon or right in front of us right now. Um, what are some, what are your some of the thoughts in dealing with that? Or if there's another issue that you see as even much more pressing for the church. I mean, this lack of authenticity, and, we'll, and 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 I think that's a good way to phrase it, but um, back to go ahead and have a more a biblical uh, wording for it, which just would be double-mindedness, is, is, is so evident all, all throughout, um, and there's, there's so much to talk about, and, and I don't want to get controversial on, on a podcast like this, but I think that we have created uh, a sense in which if we find, if we hire the right people to do the job, uh, we can get our nation back on track. Mm. Um, but that's never been the the solution. Um, we are to be people that are transformed, and this transformation comes from from the church. Mm. And so I just feel like um, as long as our, our our hopes are in political leaders um, uh, to restore the church, like we're 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 missing it, and that will inherently mm. build these kinds of double standards in. Uh, where we where we where we just find ourselves compromising, and not just compromising, but like celebrating the compromise, and that's mm. the most dis- distru- you know that's the most destructive thing that I've yeah. seen, and and honestly, the the young people have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that people are uh, well, there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why people are celebrating authenticity, uh, but there's kind of an idea that there's a self um, that is a kind of. If you can just kind of peel enough layers back, you can find your true self, and that true self is good. And this kind of comes goes back to kind of the the, the classical Rousseau um, Rousseauian view of of man, where like the 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 best man is someone who is who is um, who's most at its natural base mm-hmm. level, uh, which is corrupted by society. And we find ourselves there. And so if we can just be who we really are, then that's going to be the solution. But unfortunately, the Bible tells us who we are. Is uh, is corrupted, uh, yeah. and and we have to become something mm. far greater, and that's why Jesus became man, uh, so that we might become divinized in that sense. Mm. Yeah, and be changed and transformed. Absolutely, because um, if we truly, if we peel enough layers back to our core self, well, we're our hearts are deceitful and evil, yes. wicked. Who can know Absolutely. it? Absolutely, and uh, you know, it's Absolutely. like uh, I always laugh when there's a certain Disney movie, and the main theme is you know, follow your heart. You know, and then I always just spout off that scripture because it's kind of yeah. funny because it's like, actually, this is what happens when you do that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, moving into the last thing I always uh, love, I'm an information junkie. It's always mm-hmm. finding ways to get more information. Uh, there's a Spurgeon quote that I really love. He talks about how uh, we are to read many good books but live in the Bible. And so for all of us, we're, we're changed and transformed by the word of God. That That's what we want to feed off of. But there are many other good books. So what have been some of those good books for you that have really – you've appreciated or have inspired you or encouraged you personally or professionally? Yeah. So, um, 
we just talked about being authentic, our authentic selves, and uh, and not not trying to uh, present us as being someone we're not. I would love to say that I'm a huge reader, and I spend um, just hours poring over over uh, you know classical Christian works. Um, but I find myself to be uh, to, to to lack that as of yet. Um, but I do read. I do read every day. And one of the books that I'm reading through is um, a Ministry in the Image of God um, by Siemens. And, and one thing he just focuses um, on is that. Um, the 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 Trinity is not just an archaic belief that we kind of have to affirm to be in the club of Christians, um, and that's a cynical way of putting that. But that's how kind of a lot of people kind of just think about it. It's like you know the Trinity. We just kind of have to say the right thing, and then you know we'll use a uh, uh, an egg kind of um, explanation or an an, an, an al- what is it allegory? No analogy. Uh, an, an egg no. analogy, and then we'll just go you know keep going our our own separate yeah. ways. Um, but really. The Trinity is the logic of the faith. Without mm. the Trinity, it doesn't make sense. Um, if God is is loving, uh, and there was a you know a uh, a single God that has already always existed, mm. then it can't account for the kind of love that the Scripture calls us to. Uh, and and so and, and the way that we the way that we um, serve each other, there is a a, a Trinitarian sense. Um, by which we do all of that. And so that's one book. Um, it's very, it, it's, it's, I'm making it sound more complex than the, the book is very clear, uh, but the concepts are a little hard uh, to grasp yeah. still. And that's one thing. And I'm also reading um, a, a couple other books. Um, um, Carl Truman's um, uh, Self, uh, there's a, anyways, everyone probably listening knows what I'm talking about, but I forget. Uh, and then also I always read Wesley. And so Wesley's great. And Wesley isn't right about everything, but I think he's right about a whole lot. And so uh, he pours a lot from from the kind of the, the early church reading and because he, he was a man that lived by the Bible, but then read widely. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so his just insight and 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 access to your access through him to the to the, what the early church thought is just incredible. Awesome. Well, really appreciate those recommendations, and I appreciate you for for joining me today, Hudson. Love some of the stuff we talked about, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me, Joel. Well, and I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us on another episode of the Pastor's Call podcast, where our hope, our heart, our vision, and our mission is to encourage those who may feel that they're called to pastoral ministry or are already in pastoral ministry and want some encouragement hearing the stories of others who've gone before. So I want to thank you so much for joining us. I want to thank the sponsor for the show, Blue Water Free Methodist Church. We're an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. Remember, episodes come out every week on Wednesdays. You can find us on every single podcasting platform where you're listening right now. Please share it with family, friends. Share it with your pastor. Uh, Please leave a review, subscribe, and share it. Uh, Thank you so much, and God bless.